Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Father, we know we, we really need you. I'm, uh, I don't even know how to describe the state I'm in, Lord, but you do. We're, we're in this, in, in this, in this as, as Sarah's in right now, we're, we're kind of pregnant, waiting for birth, waiting for the birth of joy. And the pastor just shared it with that. He's entering into that. You're doing something within us, Lord, and we want to take hold of every single thing you have to offer to fall deeply in love with you, Lord. You know what's coming ahead, Father. You know what we need. You know what's best. We're not worthy, but you are so, so worthy. And you want all of us. You won't settle unless you have every bit of our heart. Thank you for your faithfulness when we're unfaithful. Thank you for your persistence when we give up so easily. Thank you for your courage and strength when we are fearful and weak. Thank you that you are more than enough, God. More than enough. And so we come before you asking for you, Lord Jesus, to have your way, no matter what it takes, to churn us, if need be, scourge us, whatever it takes that you can make us pure and holy before you, without blemish, the perfect bride, worthy, worthy to be there for you to fall in love with you, dance with you, lean against your breast, just savor your aroma, your scent, your goodness, your comfort, and especially your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, so a little background. God has frustrated me the last couple of days. I had a lot of things planned, and at every time, I got a block. And this afternoon, my internet went down, and I was going to come over here and do it, and I um, misplaced the key, and I couldn't even get on on the porch, even though we had access to the Wi-Fi here, and my computer didn't work. I couldn't load up my program. Nothing worked for me. And... I was talking with God, and I was saying, okay. He goes, leave that alone. So I went to my room, and I just got down on my knees, and I prayed. I talked with God. And so I don't have a really specific game plan the way that I thought things were going to be. It's going to be a little bit different. But it's not by accident. The Lord God knows exactly what we need. So if you don't mind, Troy, I want you to queue up 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We are going to go through it, but in a little different way, starting on verse 16, and we're going to read it, and we're going to go through and read it all. So I don't have my notes, so I'm going to need you to put it up there because I don't have it all memorized, or I can look on my scripture if you don't have it. 
There we go. I'll look actually on mine, and then it'll be easier. I say again, let no one think me a fool, if otherwise at least receive me as a fool, that I also may boast a little. Go on. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as if it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. Seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I will also boast. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. To our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I have been in the deep, referring to the ocean, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren." in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and darkness, and cold and nakedness. Beside these things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Aratus, the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison, desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. That's it. Thank you. So Paul is telling this incredible story of all the sufferings he went through. He went through how many times? 40 minus 1. So 39 times that he was whipped. That's what the Jews did. They were not allowed to do more than 40, so they counted one less just to make sure they didn't go over he was beaten by rob, ro, rods. That's what the Romans did. He was shipwrecked. He was in the deep. A day and a half, he was in the ocean, in the water. Robbers went after his own countrymen. He went through incredible trial and suffering. And he's saying, you know, you talk about your, all your degrees, 
all your platitudes, all the things that you have, everything that indicates how good you are to speak, how much your authority you have because of all of your learning. I can boast about those things, but I'm going to boast about the trials I went through. The scars I went through of the faith. And I look at that, and I don't know how you guys look at that, and I think, I don't have that. I don't have that. I'm living here in comfort. I don't know if I can go across the world and die for the faith. I, I know Corey Ten Boom, when she was talking to her dad, when they were talking about the trials they were going to have, and her father said to her, you buy the ticket when you get to the train station, meaning that God's going to give you it when you need it. And I do believe that intellectually, but I don't know if I really operate out of that. And so the whole thing that you're hearing, and he's saying the fool, and he's trying to give his testimony based on the suffering that he went through, not his accomplishments, not his training, not the fact that he was trained under Gamaliel and he was a Pharisee of Pharisees and was on a path to possibly be the high priest. That's the kind of credibility he had. He's talking about the sufferings he went through. And do we talk about that? Is that what we aspire in our Western church? We talk about how eloquent a speaker is, how many books they have, how many speaking tours, not about their sufferings. That is not true for most of the church in the world today. Most of the persecuted church, if you're in the church in the underground, underground church of China, they don't think you're ready until you've been to prison. Until you've been in prison, you go, they don't know if you're really tested, that you really believe. And we live in relative comfort. And we think, okay, we're here, and we've given up things, and those of us who've gone through pure life ministries, the sacrifices that we've made, and those who work and have stayed, and the compromises that we do, thinking that, okay, when we compare to others around us, we're not that bad. That is not the standard God looks at. That's not what it's asking about. And what he looks at is that relationship with him. What is what Jesus did? And so when you see what Paul did, he did that because he had an intimate relationship with the Savior. The only way we can go forward is with that. So what Pastor was sharing about this week, when he shared on Sunday, what's been happening and what's churning, because I've been unsettled. I made this decision to step away, and I thought everything would unfold and everything would be great, and you know, it hasn't been that great. Being honest, I've been fighting. I've been in turmoil, churning, struggling. My quiet time, I mean, I've done some, I've done the work here, but it's not been fun. I had that time where I fell in love with Jesus, I just wanted to spend time with him. I've not had that. I'm fighting. Some of you are not, that's great. Some of you are, or maybe worse than I. And what I'm saying is that struggle that we're going, God is not unaware of. Okay? And we're in that pregnancy. When you look at giving birth but labor pains, where God's doing something in it. When I look at myself, and what I want to do is I want to look at where things are in the world and I see the struggles that I have, and I'm going, ah, oh, we need to do this, this is crazy. And in my own thinking, trying to fix the problems. Spending way too much time in my, my own head instead of enough time in faith and trusting in the Lord. That's the battle that we are all in. 
And if we want to take hold of what we just read about what Paul went through, we need something radically different. We need a faith that's beyond what we've believed. So when I was reading, Ofer Amitai wrote a book. He's, um, he was at the Faith Homes, and he spoke at the conference, those who were there this spring at the Pure Life Conference. He's a Messianic Jew who um, has a congregation in Israel. And he's partnered with Pure Life, of course, and with Madison Place, and they did a devotional book. And I was just breaking it open today. And he relates a story, and if you like C.S. Lewis and his Chronicles of Narnia, in the Prince Caspian, finally Lucy, there's a scene where Lucy comes upon Aslan. And what she says is, Aslan, you're bigger. And Aslan tells her, you've grown more. As you grow more, you'll see me bigger. So that's what the Lord is asking of us, is to grow more in our faith and especially our love of Him. And as we do, we'll see a bigger God. The reason we haven't had victory in our lives, the reason we haven't had peace, the reason we haven't had the joy is we don't see a big enough God. We don't trust and believe in a big enough God. That's been my struggle. And I know that in my head, I know that's true, and I'm in the fight to, to let it surrender to my heart, and it is a surrender. It's a surrender in that faith and belief that God is bigger than I imagine, and He's a more than enough God. So we're saying, turn your eyes upon Jesus Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Take hold of his face. The glory, the goodness, the love that he has. God has not forsaken us. We sin, we struggle, and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim. Thank you. That's what we need, the things of the earth to grow strangely dim. But we just don't care about those other things. We don't care about chasing after what the world wants. We don't care about chasing after our retirement, our status, our security. We don't care about any of those things about building our empire. Because what we care about is Him, is falling in love with Him. I had that at Pure Life. I remember, and I've shared with you, you know, it took me a while. I had to really surrender because I was going to work it as best I could. And I was sincere and earnest. I wasn't dishonest. But... I wasn't really surrendered to God. And I lost him. I came to that and I was playing, like I, I've shared, peekaboo with Jesus in the chapel. Laughing and giggling till like almost two in the morning. And then they toured it and they saw me there and they just let me go and just let me be Sunday night. And, but it was sweet and it changed. You know, I'm like sitting front row first, like right behind Brother TJ at chapel like, or any service, I'm getting there like half an hour early because I'm going to be eager and conscientious. And after that, I didn't care. I didn't care about those. I sat on the bench and I didn't care and just started to pray because it's not about what I want. When we have our eyes turned about Jesus, it's not about what we want. It's not about what career we want. It's not about what those unmarried, what wife we want, what children we want what security we want. It's about Jesus. And he's a more than enough God. 
And when we fall so deeply in love with him, then his power will flow through. And that's what Paul's giving testimony. And there will be pain because we'll join the fellowship suffering with Jesus. But there will be incredible joy. Incredible joy. And when we do talk about chapter 12, maybe next week, you'll get a sense of what Paul saw. And we'll talk more about that experience. And what, I, what we want here, when we talk about revival, when we talk about the presence of God, that we see the presence of God. And I see that it's almost happening and God's trying to do something within us. God is trying to do something within us to change us, to make us more like Him, more like Jesus, to have us ready for what's coming ahead because we're going to need that. To be prepared for what's happening, we're going to need a greater faith. We need a bigger Jesus. We need a bigger God. And our own understanding will be insufficient. I saw two patients. I worked yesterday, 24 hours, got off this morning, and I saw two people. And one, you know, she had a T-shirt and talked about, I was blind out, and now I see. And we were to John 3.16, and then our daughter had those wristbands, and they're concerned, and they're talking about, and she's worried about her kids and worried about where things are and anxious. And, you know, I talked with them and shared, and I realized the anxiety they have. And then another guy, and he just got chest pain, and um, he was worried and anxious. He overthinks. I'm going, wow, he must be the only one. None of us do that, right? Um, he overthinks. He spends all that time thinking over and over in his head, and he's responsible. He's a, he works for the city of, of Carrollton, and um, he, uh, he's a lot of responsibility. And um, he had chest pain, and blood pressure was high, and he came in, and it looks like he's having some heart damage, and we were able to send him to the university hospital to get some treatment and probably need a heart cath. They may come out with a stent. Um, but his wife came in, and they were initially concerned, but we talked about it. He says, how do I stop overthinking? And the only answer I could give him was faith. Faith. Faith that God of the universe who created everything is a more than enough God. So last week, we weren't here. Six of us, Lauren, myself, Troy, um, Justin, David, and Jeremy, we went to Washington, D.C., mainly to see the Museum of the Bible, though I'll be honest, there's a part of me, a little secretly, kind of wanted to see the, the National Air and Space Museum, okay? I've always liked it, kind of like that geek part of me that wanted to see that, okay? Um, so we get there, and we drive crazy all night, Lauren and I, he was a big help, and we drive all the way Monday night, and I accidentally booked the Airbnb early, a day early. I thought it was Tuesday to Friday, but I actually booked it Monday. So I'm getting this text before, hours before we leave. Oh, welcome to your Airbnb. I'm like, okay, I mistakenly booked it two day, a day early. But it worked out because we got there early enough and we were able to get some rest. And we went to Arlington and we went to Frederick Douglass. If you know who Frederick Douglass, he was a slave. And he father was a slave owner, white, and his mother was black. And um, he escaped and got his freedom in the 1930s and worked for abolition and then also worked for um, women's rights and for women to have the right to vote as well as the blacks to have the right to vote. 
But all the time, and then we went to the Museum of the Bible, and it was excellent, and I got to see the wickedness of man, but also how these people have stood up, have martyred their lives. You know, Tyndale, what he did to make sure that people got the word, again and again, how they sacrificed themselves, how they had that faith, that belief, that I don't yet have, that I don't yet have. We went to the Holocaust Museum and saw the wickedness of man. And I've been to Israel twice seeing the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem and I saw it again and, and then got to see the American side, the American response to that. So it was different but similar. Uh, the wickedness of man, the utter depravity of man. Not only the Germans, but also here in the United States, how here and in the West, Canada was no different where I was, that we didn't accept that we kind of knew in 1942, certainly in 43 what was going on, and wouldn't let them come in, wouldn't let them escape, wouldn't extend mercy. We didn't want those people, okay? The vast majority did not want that immigration, didn't want to have that. And how much do we now at the border when we're worried about immigrants coming in like crazy, do we not want to extend mercy? Because we want a border security in our own thinking, as opposed to how do we extend mercy for these people who want a better life. And I don't know. They, they were trying to escape persecution and suffering. And so, the, uh, I did, we eventually did go Friday to see the Natural Air and Space Museum and I was disappointed. Because what I wanted was not, didn't satisfy me the same way. I actually had more fun with the Wright Brother things than I did about the space stuff and I used to love that stuff. And God's changing us, changing our hearts. And then we went to the Native American Museum, again, to see man, you know, lying, deceiving, breaking treaties, and the suffering that people go through. And it, what it lets me know is there's tremendous suffering in the world, and man has, we just continually cause suffering upon suffering. There is suffering. And the only answer to that suffering is Jesus. There is no other hope in the world. I see people, things aren't getting better. Young people are dying from overdoses at an epidemic rate. The lifespan of the American male has shortened in the last three years. Not from COVID but from drug overdose. Young people are dying. We're giving 10 times the dose of Narcan to try to reverse what they're doing. It's getting much worse because there's no hope. And when we look at things of the world, they don't see hope and they despair. When we do the same thing and rely on our own understanding and when we walk around chasing after things of the world, we're not a light. They don't want, they don't, why would they want to be like us? We're really no different than they are. We're not walking in joy. We're not walking in the victory of Christ, and we don't really believe. Now, I'm not saying all of you are at that stage, but I know that was within me. What is God saying? God's asking us to step into a deeper walk with him. We need more of Jesus. We need a much, much bigger God. We need a greater insight, and so we have to, ha we have to ask him. We have to fight. It is a fight, but not in a way we're fighting against God. We're fighting with God. There is an enemy, 
A lion who's prowling around ready to steal, devour, snatch away the good seed on the soil. And so we're in a battle that way. But also within our own hearts. We have to battle our own hearts. We have to guide our heart. We can't go based on our feelings. The world is getting more and more, particularly in the West, more feelings-based. Feelings determine everything. How you feel is, is the truth, is the reality. It's what you feel. That's your reality. No, it's just your feeling. Feeling is not reality. Feeling will pass. Like a kid, feel something, and they, you know, you, as a parent, you know you have kids. They feel something, okay, it'll pass, we'll get over it. There's no parent I know who hasn't had a kid saying to them at least once in life, I hate you. You could then say, okay, well, if you hate me, that's it. Okay, we're done. I'm not your mom and dad anymore. No. You know, it'll pass, and you go on, you take care of them. You just do that. So you don't determine feelings. We have to guide our heart. For Paul to go through what he just did, we need hearts that were guided. He had to guide his own heart. He didn't despair. Who would not have despaired at, from what he went through? Beaten so much, left for dead, left in a basket. He's a basket, but that's the basket that they put the garbage in. So he was taken out of a basket of the window. Basically, they said that's where they put the garbage in, and they throw it over the wall, and that's where they dump it. That was where Gehenna was, the burning dump that they kind of threw the garbage out the city walls, and that was like where it just kind of festered. So they put him in the garbage pail to lure him outside. It stunk. They didn't have a lot of water. We can wash things out. We think it's water. He's like, they don't have that. Okay? They don't have a lot. They're not going to waste it to wash things out they don't need. They're going to use water where they need to. It stunk. Okay? He was left for that. He was stoned and not like drug overdose or any kind of stone kind of thing. We're talking about literally rocks here. And that kind of faith is going to take us to really have a big God. A trust in a big God. So I'm letting you know this, and I'm imploring you. Chase after Jesus. Look to him. Turn your eyes upon him. I need to do We all need to do it. I love our worship. Fall in love with him. Those who do, I know Frank expressed himself in tongues, and I was a little bit like, okay, uh, it was kind of loud. I kind of heard him, but it seemed like it was kind of a language thing. I don't know, but he was expressing worship. I was quietly doing it, quietly doing it. And so we're going to have some things here when we're doing it. It's not going to be the way that we understand, where our mind's not going to always have a grasp of it. And the critical spirit may come in. Please lay that aside. Please lay that aside. Okay, I'm not saying we don't need discernment. I am saying... We need to trust in faith in God that he's going to guide things. We need to issue, if there's a concern, in private to discuss some things and discuss it. Hey, this happened. And so pastor already beat us to the punch. I was going to address it. He already took care of it. Okay? The point is we're going to try to follow through with what the Lord has, but we need a deeper surrender. We need to fall in love with Jesus. And what's available is joy. I don't know about you, but I haven't had tremendous joy day by day. I want to. I did. I've had moments of that where I remember I just didn't care what happened. When I came that first year to Pure Life, mostly wasn't anxious. You know, I had three different attorneys being sued. It was crazy. 
wasn't working as much, big tax bill, because tax bill wasn't paid while I was in the program, wanted to work more, not happening the way that I thought, but I got more time with Jesus. And so this season that I'm in now, and that's what I'm asking, and the thing we have to ask is, ask Jesus to help us, help you, help me, help us all to fall in love with him. So my request is not just individual. We are the body of Christ. So we need to pray for each other that way. Okay? And that's one of the things we haven't done well. So this is going to be different because I'm basically done what I'm going to share. And now I'm going to ask you, as the Lord directs you, to speak up. I'm going to start with a prayer, but I'm going to ask you to speak up that we may pray for one another, that we may pray for a hunger and thirst for the Lord God Almighty, that we may fall in love with Jesus, that we would trust in Him and live for your own self, but also for your brothers and next to our sisters and for those who else God has wanted to bring here. Okay. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord. I don't, uh, I don't know how this is going to work out. You know, I've got like, you know, 40 minutes and whatever that time is, or, and I'm thinking, okay, now what? Now it is we need you. Now it is that we can't do anything. Our thinking, our talking, our words are insufficient without you. You're the God that's beyond our understanding. You're unshakable unstoppable. And we come before you as your children, crying out, Abba, Father, we want more of you. I lift up my brothers here, Father, that they may fall in love with you in a greater way. Father, when Pastor was sharing what he did, there's a part of me that was so happy for him, but another part that was honestly a little bit like envious, like, I want that. I want that to just, just fall in love, just to see the joy on your face when just to like a child has when they see the daddy loves them and wants to spend time with them. God, so I pray that each man here will just see you in each moment, seeking you, wanting those, those individual moments in the midst of the day when they have that, they can catch away just to spend time with you. Just like how a, a guy does with a girl initially. They want to talk and they're texting and they're just, you know, googly-eyed. Help us to become googly-eyed over you, Jesus. That our eyes are fixed on you. That we see your light shine and your radiance, Lord. That we don't care what happens as long as we're with you. 